0: Hello, everyone. We have Bailey Michael on today's episode. I'm super excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Bailey, just gonna toss it at you. Start wherever you like.
1: All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm gonna get emotional first thing. I think because I don't ever talk about yeah about this, and I think it'll be great. I'm super excited to share this and let other people know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll take it back. Um, me and my husband have been married for about 14 years, little over 14 years. Um, we met actually through his cousin and just kind of went from there. We ended up deciding to start our family pretty early on. He was, he's about six years older than I am. And he thought, Hey, let's get going. I'm old. And I said, okay, let's do this. And we got pregnant pretty quickly. Um, and since then we've had four boys. So. Our first is 12 right now, and we got pregnant with him very quickly. Second, we had two years later, pregnant really easy again. And then three years later, we had another boy. <laughs> so that's three boys now, and got pregnant with him very quickly. And I thought three was a good number. I needed a little break. Uh, and we were good. Fast forward to about three years from when my, last, my third was born, we decided, let's do this again. I'm ready to have another one. Um, and we are members of the church, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we had both thought, well, maybe, maybe there's two more that are supposed to come. And I never in my wildest dreams thought five kids would be in my, in my books. And my husband said, absolutely not. We can't do five. Five doesn't fit my truck for traveling. I thought, okay, well, well let's just start with one more. So we, we um, tried. And this one took a little bit longer for us to get pregnant. Not super long in the scheme of some people that struggle with fertility, but it took longer than our other, other three did. So we got pregnant, super excited. We decided to keep this one a little bit of a secret and wait until we found out we were having. My doctor usually does it about 16 weeks and we were pretty sure we could just, keep that a secret for a little while and, and then let them know um, everything was going perfectly fine in my pregnancy. And we had a doctor's appointment in May of 2015. Everything was perfect. Baby's heartbeat was good. And we were leaving to go on vacation for the month of June. We go to California, San Diego. And so we had our appointment and we thought how fun, let's go do a 40 ultrasound when we get to California and we'll have our kids in the room and our in-laws and then we'll ride on the beach boy or girl. It'll be so fun. Everyone will be so excited. They don't want I'm pregnant. We get to the forty d ultrasound and the tech was just normal. She hooks me up to everything and I have my in-laws and my kids in the room and she's like, I can't, <clears throat> I can't get the baby to move to get the sex. And so I'm going to have you come back and try in two days. It was really quick. That was about the extent of it. So we scheduled the appointment and it was a different tech. We got in there and there was also a manager in there, which was really strange because that was not how it was before. But I just kind of pushed it aside and thought this will be fun. Let's get this. I want to see um, if this is a boy or a girl. I have three boys. Either way, I'm happy. It's fine. Um, So she gets me hooked up two days later, and I think she knew from the two days before or maybe the other ultrasound tech had said something, but they hadn't said anything to me. And within just a few minutes, she had her manager come in and she said, we are so sorry to tell you, but there's no heartbeat. And I just screamed to my husband and I said, no, no, this is not happening. And my mother-in-law took my other three boys out of the room, and they talked to us for a minute, and they said, we're not a hospital, we can't tell you anything for sure, but we recommend you go to the hospital. So we headed straight to the hospital, my in-laws dropped us off. Mind you, we're still in another state. We're in California. This is not my doctor's office. This is not a hospital I'm familiar with. So we go into the emergency room and they um, hook us up and they try and do the fetal Doppler. And I don't know if the nurse was not familiar with this or it had been a while, but she was struggling. And she said, I can't tell if this is your heartbeat that I'm getting or the baby's. And I'm just praying that this is My baby's heartbeat, not mine. But I knew deep down then that my baby was gone. So they came in and they did an ultrasound and they confirmed that there was no heartbeat. And we called my doctor and my doctor recommended that I drive home to Arizona and deliver with him. He thought it would be the best thing to actually deliver the baby and not get a DNC or let the baby um, decide to come on the on when my body wanted him to so we drove home we left our kids with my in-laws in California and we drove home and it was the most silent six and a half hour drive from California to Arizona for both my husband and I and we got home about I don't know, eleven thirty, twelve o'clock that night, we're supposed to sleep and check into the hospital the next morning about eight thirty, I think is what my doctor had said. And we wake up the next morning and we both just kind of were confused. Like, okay, we're going to check into the hospital to deliver this baby, but we've never done anything like this. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to expect? And if I was able to calm down and I trying to get into reality that this is what was happening and we check into the hospital and the nurses there were were amazing they they gave me a room that was kind of wedged in a corner not forgotten but kind of away and and I asked why this room like you kind of took me through a maze to get wedged into the corner and she said for the comfort of the moms that are delivering babies that will not be crying or making noises when they're delivered. We just try and give the mom the comfort so she doesn't have to hear all the other babies or the passing by. And and I appreciated that. And my nurse said, I just want you to know, I'm in this with you. I've never done this before, so we're in this together doing this. And I uh I wasn't sure if I should feel bad for her that this is what she got to come to come to work to do or if I was excited for her that this is going to be such a special, special thing that she got to be a part of. So they get me in my room and they hook me up and they give me some gels to soften my cervix because obviously I was not ready to labor. And they told me it would be probably 12 to 24 hours. And uh, it was, it was every four hours they had to give me a dose to soften my cervix I ended up having my some family come in and visit us and talk, and my little sister, who had just had her baby about i want to say it was about five or six days before that, came to visit us and that was a little emotional, but I was so thankful that I had family there to come and support us and and be with us through that time. Um, I ended up asking the nurse I said, "Do you happen to know at?" Tammy here. She's a nurse. And she said, Yeah. Do you know her? And I said, Yeah, she's my aunt. And and she said, Oh, do you want me to go get her? And I said, You know, none of my family knows that I'm pregnant. We kept it a secret except for our, our parents and our immediate family. And she said, Okay. And I said, So I don't want to bother her if she's on on call. And about fifteen minutes later my aunt walks in and she's bawling her eyes out. she said you're not supposed to be on this side of the hospital. I said, I know (laughs) I'm not, it's not fair, but I'm here. And she said, I've, um, I've checked off my shift and I'm just going to be here with you for the rest of the day. And I thought it was pretty awesome of her because my mom was out of town and my mother-in-law was in another state with my kids. So.
0: Oh, that's amazing
1: to have someone there that was just going to drop everything that has obviously experienced this with other people was, was pretty fantastic. And she kind of explained a little more and told us how it was going to happen and kind of comforted us, but also kept our mind at ease and, and didn't just talk about that kind of expanded our conversations. And we were able to get through that little bit, um, uh, late that night earlier into the morning I don't remember the exact time I um, felt a real intense pain and and then I also felt like was I wetting my pants I'm not sure so my husband my husband kind of helped me rotate over and and I um, had blood everywhere and so we called the nurses and the doctors and and my doctor lives about 15 minutes away so they called him and, and he was able to make it there in time which I was very thankful for. He's delivered all my children. So I really wanted to make sure that that he could be there. And he he's fantastic. I needed him there. And and so I, I ended up delivering the baby. And surprisingly, that was probably one of my hardest deliveries of all of mine. My body was just not ready to give up that baby. I ended up um, bleeding pretty bad, pretty close to needing... Um, some transfusions, but everything ended up being okay. I opted out of pain meds because I wanted to just try and remember just a little bit of this, but my body kind of went into shock. And without me actually having full control of my body, my husband and my doctor decided to give me some pain meds. So I was able to get the, the placenta delivered. And that was the hardest part. And then my I was out for about two hours because my body just couldn't do it. So my husband was able to experience just holding the baby and, and, and checking out his every little every little move. I mean every little part of his body and 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 that was kind of special for him because dads don't ever really get to experience the that side of it. They kind of have to just linger off the mom and I was thankful for that and my husband was as well. Um, so we did get to find out it was yet another boy and um we decided that we were going to give him a name because we didn't want to just leave him be because he was so perfect and we had to say say something for him and so we decided to name him Strider. And it took us a little while to decide of a name but we figured he just was striding right back to heaven is it's kind of how we decided to Give him that name, and he has a middle name of Roy, which is my uh, great grandpa's name, who was since passed and was already already uh, crossed the veil. and And so we figured just a little a little something with family in there for him. Unfortunately, my children weren't able to come in there and visit him because they were back in California with my in laws. But we took so many pictures and were able to go home and and show him his little ears. We, we didn't show him all of, all of the baby just because I'm not sure that they were at the time prepared to, he was perfect, but he also was 16 weeks in a couple of days. So he was still not fully formed. Like they would be expecting a baby. Um, The doctor and the hospital gave us options and asked if we wanted to do an autopsy and and see what the problem was and why I had miscarried, just in case we wanted to have more and if there was something we could do to prevent that. We ended up opting out of the autopsy, and my doctor just did the regular testing that they can do at the hospital for any abnormalities or anything that I could do to prevent this from happening, And, and everything came back perfectly fine. He was, anatomically, he was perfect. He had nothing wrong with him. So it was just a fluke and there was, there was nothing that we could pinpoint to say why he had passed. Uh, My family has no really history of miscarriages, especially later, um, late-term miscarriages. My older sister had one early on in her pregnancy, but didn't much talk about it or anything. But, as far back as we reached from grandparents and aunts and anything we we didn't find anyone, so it was just it wasn't that I don't want to say that I was the lucky one but but that's just what I say is that I'm the lucky one that got to experience that and have this little angel baby with me and then the the hospital asked us if we wanted to bury him um, with all the other babies at that time and in a different cemetery a little bit further from our house that I didn't know if it was going to be personal enough or if it would be something I'd be able to get to if I wanted to go by. Uh, They gave us the option to do cremation, which is what we are kind of leaning for, and they said if you cremate him, then they'll be able to spread his ashes over the superstition mountains, and then I thought, well, that would be fun. We could have a picture of the superstition mountains in our home. And that would kind of be symbolic to him and just a remembrance of him. But when I asked the hospital the the name of the funeral home, so I could ask them a couple questions of when this would happen or how it was taken place. The funeral home not anything against them, but they just couldn't answer any questions of specifics and I was a little bit a little bit nervous of what was going to be happened to my baby's remains. And I, I was a little unsure of that. Um, just then my mother-in-law had called us and told my husband that a family friend who owns a funeral home had called and contacted with con- gotten in contact with her and let her know that he would be willing to do a burial at cost for him, he said he didn't get in this business to make money off of babies and children. That he would be willing to do this, and so we thought that was the call. That obviously that was the answer we were needing of what we were supposed to do. So we um, released him to the funeral home, and and we headed back to California to finish off our month vacation and to kind of relax and and heal and be with our family for the next little while, while we figured out the next steps. And my oldest, who was nine at the time, I think eight. Yeah, he was eight or nine at the time. He, he, I would say had the hardest. He's also a mommy's boy, but he had the hardest time. That little boy did not leave my side for the next two weeks. He made sure that I was protected. He did not like to see me in any type of pain or anything. And I think that he he really felt and understood a little bit more of what was going on. And so he wanted to make sure that I was protected. So that was heaven sent for him to understand. I would say the hardest part was being on vacation and trying to be happy and make these memories with my children, but also The guilt of being there and the guilt of trying to be happy, the guilt of what if or what if I could do something different or change something. But I ended up getting some self-help books and reading some things and talking to so many different people that had reached out that this is more common than you actually expect it because you don't know until you've gone through it. You're kind of, I don't know, ignorant to the situation until you experience such a thing. So my doctor told us that we should probably wait a few months before we try again just to make sure my body is is not going to reject something else as, as, while it's healing. <clears throat> so we decided to try a few months later and it took us about Five or six months to get pregnant again, and that was the longest pregnancy of my life. I was super sick, I was super cautious about everything, which is so different than all my other ones. I had textbook pregnancies before, I never had any struggles, and so I think, I think, um, God was letting me know that everything was going to be okay but that I needed to enjoy every step of every step of the way and remember every kick and and hiccup and I did and I remember everything so perfectly we ended up having our little rainbow baby and his name is ranger and we had him about let's see a year and a few months after we had lost strider and he is the perfect little addition and the perfect wild crazy rainbow baby and and he makes our world go round. he is now three and some change and we let him know that he does have a a brother strider in heaven and and he talks about it a bit when my older boys talk about it so we make sure that he's a, a piece of that um Strider was born in June. I should he was delivered in June of two thousand fifteen. And his due date was November. And so every year on his due date month, just sometime in November, because it's a busy month for us, I I go down to the hospital where I had delivered the baby and I take donuts to the nurses and I thank them for everything. And and the first year after I had lost Strider, I took necklaces to the moms that are going to experience something like this, that you're not going to leave the hospital with, with that baby that you long for. You're going to leave the hospital with a little box of pictures and, and little handprints and footprints and little pieces of things that will remind you of your baby, but you won't get to leave with that baby. And so I, I donated 150 necklaces with a heart on them with a little saying for each of the moms and and I had gone back the next year and the nurse had said that all those necklaces had been donated and that just makes you hurt because you don't realize that there's going to be so many moms that are going to have to experience such a terrible terrible experience but also a very spiritual and deep connection whether you're religious or not you have a deep connection with something and and you're gonna fill and make sure that that baby's there with you and those little momentums and those little pieces of something will will help you each day to to grow and and I never like to use the word move on because you don't move on after a loss but you get to move forward and and i don't remember who said that to me but someone had said that you don't you don't move on you move forward and and i think that's the one thing that has kept me going through this is it's not something you you ever forget or don't think about you think about it on a daily basis and and you get to grow and learn from
0: that yeah Absolutely. I love that. You don't move on, you move forward. It's so true. Um, If you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be?
1: I would, this might be a little different than the rest of yours, but I would take what people say to you and not take it to heart because a lot of people will say things that they think are going to be comforting to you. But really they hurt and they hurt deep down, but that person's never experienced something and they're really just trying to comfort you and be there for you. Mm -hmm. So try, try not to take things that people are saying and, and get offended or, or a bad judgment. They're, they're
0: truly trying to be there and support you and love you. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your story today. I hope it was therapeutic for you. Um, It definitely was. And I know people are going to reach out and that's the most amazing aspect of all of this is just knowing that, you know, your story has helped somebody else's and there's something super powerful in that. So thank you so much. If somebody does want to reach out, where could they do so? Is Instagram the best way? Yeah. I have an Instagram. B-A-I
1: underscore L-A-U-R-E-N. I am private, but send me a message, send me a request, and I probably will definitely accept you if I, I see your message.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I'll link that in the description of this episode, everybody. So reach out and everybody connects. That's what this podcast is for. I appreciate you, and I hope you have a good rest of your weekend.
1: Thank you so much.